Well, as we started uh, Sunday School this week, we also have a new, member, new members class. Uh, and uh, so enjoy being with uh, the folks that are in that class. And uh, you can still join us next week if you'd like to uh, as we meet for a, a couple of weeks together. Uh, and the people in that class, it's just, uh, you're going you're gonna to enjoy meeting them. Many of them you, you've already met as being regular attenders here. Um, and just seeing God's redemptive story in their lives uh, mirrors the redemptive story that many of us have expressed and uh, known as well. Uh, and ministry-minded folks um, look forward to them being a part of the, the bigger community and what God does with us. And you have to wonder, what, what draws someone to this body, uh, this group of Christians, and to fellowship here and serve here and to give their lives here? Um, you know, we, each church kind of has its own flavor, right? And as you go, there are kind of different flavors, things that you pick up on that you like or don't like. And so you may go to some church and it has, uh, it has incredible worship and uh, a great light system uh, to go with it. Uh, and we are thankful that we have such great worship. We thank you guys for leading us out. And so we are, I think that's a flavor of our church. We thank you guys. Uh, except for the lighting system, we'll have to work on that, but uh, and the fog machine. But uh, so there is a certain kind of flavor. Uh, some churches, it's uh, even like a charismatic uh, experience where there is uh, all kinds of spiritual gifts that are exercised and shown. Um, others, it's great preaching. Um, others, like a dedication to a very uh, uh, being very passionate about a, a strict interpretation of the word. Um, others, it can be children's ministry or youth ministry. Uh, it can be kind of the aura of the place. There's lots of different flavors of church, right? There's also lots of different flavors of Christians, what they're kind of known by. You can have all of those flavors together. But there's one flavor if you miss it. If you cook chicken curry and you forget the curry, you just got chicken, right? So if you have church and you're missing specifically this element, if you are a Christian and you're missing this element, are you really a church? Are you really a follower after Christ? So what is the main thing? Well, let's look at the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think we'll have it up on the board there. The love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to say to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. What is the main thing? What is the secret ingredient? Oh, we're done then. <laughs> we have this word love, though, is a powerful and complicated and simple word. 
Over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to go through the school of agape. That's the word that's used for love here in the Greek. And we have all kinds of folks who've tried to figure out what love is and express it in one way or the other. Whether it's musicians, poets, philosophers. One of those great philosophers, Tina Turner, once said, What's love? <laughs> so Tina Turner was exploring what is the attitude of love, but we also have to understand who, who is the object of love, what is the action of love, what is the quality of love. And Jonathan Edwards, uh, 18th century uh, revivalist here in America, wrote this. He said, uh, it is a principle, love, it is a principle which if, if it be implanted in the heart is alone sufficient to produce all good practice and every right disposition towards God and man and is summed up in it and comes from it as, for, as the fruit from the tree or the stream from the fountain. So today we'll see that it is the ingredient that is necessary in the life of the church and if you want to know the flavor of a church, you need to understand, is it a church that is good at loving? Do they know what love is? If you're going to look at your own life and make an examination, you need to ask this question, where does love have its place in my heart and my life? We start out with the first two verses. He says, I'm going to, Paul is expressing what is greater. As Paul is writing this church to the church in Corinth, Corinth is this place that is, uh, well, it's a mess. It is a pagan place, lots of gods, lots of sexual immorality, uh, lots of uh, the Roman government uh, has a stronghold there and is in some ways uh, both this exciting force and this, the, 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 the way that the, the Roman government has brought peace to the world but also this overbearing force in their lives. They are full of philosophies. And so the church is set within this place with competing ideologies and understanding of what is important in the world. And so you have these great philosophers, these Greek philosophers, who are saying this is what life is all about. And Paul is coming to say, if you are going to bring all of life under the, under the, the, the bridge, or under the, the, the roof of Christ, you need to understand the most important thing, and that is that you are to be, love, you are to be lovers of God and lovers of each other. The people in Corinth are in many ways still engaged in that worldview, they're still engaged in the practices. And so if you read through 1 Corinthians, you see it's a book that's continually saying, you've messed up here and here and here and here and here. This church is a church that is also very active in their spiritual giftings. Almost to a fault, as the early church is, is understanding who God is and, and Paul says, as he, as he describes in chapter 11 and 12, the spiritual gifts that are present in the church at Corinth, they are a way to prove who God is to a world that doesn't understand this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to this world that doesn't understand this God of the Jews. These Greeks, these Romans, they're looking and they're saying, we have no context. And so they preach the gospel 
And as they preach the gospel, it seems foolishness to those around them. But then these spiritual gifts and God working in in powerful ways is a part of a sign to convince them that there is a, a different kind of life in Christ Jesus. He says in chapter 2, verse 2, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. You didn't appear as much. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. You didn't, the, 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 the Greeks didn't understand, didn't appreciate this wisdom. They thought it was foolishness. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul is saying, as I came to you, I want to tell you, you saw that it was in power. There were, there were miracles that were done. There was, there was wisdom that was brought forth, and it was convincing proof. But then he goes on to say, he goes on to say that those gifts and that power, it, 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 is, it is a secondary proof. For the first proof is the love of Christ and the love that is in the saints. So he says, no longer are you to rely on these gifts. The, 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 the gifts are not the things that are the most important. He says in chapter 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifest, manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That, that those spiritual powers that are being exhibited in the church in Corinth, they are important, but they, they are secondary. In 12.31, he says this, after the discussion of gifts and, and about the members encouraging each other, and he says, and I will show you still a more excellent way, and this is the excellent way, that we are to love our God and to love each other. You see, the, the gifts that were displayed, let, let me give you a comparison of the gifts and love. The gifts are given to each of us. So as we receive Christ, we all receive spiritual gifting. We receive the gift of grace. Even the world itself receives a kind of common grace where God has his grace. He causes it to reign on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So God is a gift giver. He created creation as good. And then he says even very good. And so he's giving to all of us in the world. And to those who are chosen, he gives them a special grace, the grace of faith. He gives them the grace of spiritual gifts. So each of us have a spiritual gifting. And for some, he gives even a a greater, an extraordinary kind of gift. It isn't like everyone else's. He, He gives us a gift that is some way overshadowing others, a, a more powerful gift. And they are, they are, these, these extraordinary gifts come at different times and, and special uh, occasions. And they are meant for not the glory of the person who holds that gift, but for the glory of God and to the common good of the church. So you would think that this would be the most important thing. To find those who have the extraordinary gift because it is a manifestation of God. It is the power of God. It is a convincing proof, a kind of sign that God has done something, something great. It's his stamp of approval. But Paul says it, it, it's not the extraordinary gift that is awesome. It is this very common gift 
of love. This common gift is given to all believers. It is the beginning of our life with Christ. The demonstration of a spiritual gift or power is external. So other people see it, right? But the gift of love and, and this love that God is welling up in us is a gift that changes our character. You see the difference? These powerful gifts are external and are short-lived. So you, you participate, especially in the church at Corinth, you participate in this speaking in a tongue or this miraculous healing or this prophetic word. You participate, but it's short-lived. And it doesn't change the person. It doesn't necessarily have to change the person who has the gift. Does that make sense? But love is better. Because the working out of love in us transforms who we are so that we become more like God. The giving of the gifts didn't make you more like God. You see? So he's saying love triumphs. It is, it is greater. We'll go on to see that this love is also a love that lasts forever. Where the gifts stop, agape lasts forever. He shows us a new way. Uh, I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but some of y'all are NASCAR people. They have, I, I saw this, when they drive into the pit, they, can, they take out the steering wheel. Have you seen that? I saw one really fancy car that wasn't a NASCAR. It's a, this beautiful yellow car, you know, it was shaped kind of like this, had like the roll bar, and, and when they turn it on, it goes, you know. Most of my cars are gone, but this one had that nice sound to it, you know? And it said it like went zero to 60 in a heartbeat. And, and it, it's this awesome car. And, and they took the steering wheel out of it. It's like that fancy. You take the steering wheel. I was kind of thinking they took the steering wheel out so like nobody would steal it. Can you imagine trying to drive the car, though, without a steering wheel? Yeah. That would be trouble for the church, for the individual believer. We can have all the power and strength and glory and gifts, but if we don't have love, we're going fast in one direction, and the end is going to be bad. The people of God are going to be marked by love. The church should be marked by love. People of God, pursue love. Pursue love. He goes on to say in verse 3, If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but not have love, I gain nothing. Doesn't it seem almost impossible that you would do those things without love, right? That you would give up yourself, that you would be martyred but somehow not have a love for God? That you would give up of your possessions and not have God? It's kind of like this idea of gifts. Is it possible to have these gifts and not have love? Well, we can look back in the Old Testament. We see there's the, uh, the prophet Balaam. And all he was endowed with spiritual gifts, he had no love for God. Look at Saul. He prophesied with the prophets. Yet Saul's heart was 
very far from God. Even Judas, as Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, they worked miracles in Jesus' name. But, Jesus didn't, but Judas did not have a love for Christ. So what motivates them? God somehow allows these people to have a spiritual kind of power without a love for him or a love for others. I had a pastor growing up, uh, and this man, he could evangelize folks every Sunday, it seemed. There were three or four people who came to church for the first time that Sunday because he had shared the gospel with them and they had become believers. He had an amazing gift of evangelism. But later we find out <laughs> this guy was embezzling money. He was laundering money. He was not treating women well. And he really wasn't a believer at all. And you had to say, is it possible that this could even happen? That he would have some kind of gift, yet no love for God or love for his people? And the people then who came to faith, and I'll look at him in jail, wonder, is that gospel true? The answer is the gospel is true. And God uses all kinds of people. But if there is not love, well, you have nothing. In verse 3, it says that you could actually give up your life, both expend your life or even die on the case of, for the case of Christ, but not have love. Great band Striper said, love is a verb. But it's more than that. It's more than just action. Love must have action. But it is possible to have actions, even extraordinary acts, extraordinary acts of selflessness, but not have love. If there be no love in what a man does, then the work is hypocritical. So I want to pause here for a moment, church. And I'd like you to, to think, I, I, there are a lot of people in our church who are great servants. It is possible for you to wear yourself out for the kingdom, but not have love. It is possible for you to be fervent for the word of God and to study over and over and over again and to point out every fallacy and not have love. It, it is possible for you to sing in the band or preach up here, or teach a Sunday school class and have not love. It's time for a heart check, right? You can have so much generosity that you give your last dollar and still not have love. I'm encouraging you to do that still. But you need to have love. You know, the spirit of love is held out more in the New Testament than any moral state or moral duty. Greater, love is even greater than moral acts. Wasn't that the complaint in the, of the prophets who heard from God throughout the Old Testament? You're really good at giving sacrifices, but it means nothing because you don't love God. And you don't love your brothers. You don't take care of the poor. You don't take care of the widows. 
Your heart is far from me. If the end isn't love for God, then the means, even if gallant, sacrificial, it means nothing. If the end is earning something for yourself, or a reputation, a, a free pass to heaven, riches, contacts, <laughs> glory, then everything you've done is in vain. You know, God gains nothing by our sacrifice. God gains nothing by our sacrifice. He would instead be pleased with our work of love in us. Great spiritual gifts and great sacrifice are of great value, but not without love. If the car doesn't have a steering wheel directed by love, then the end is a wreck and a greater disaster. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. God is love. Not love is God. Not everything that's loving is God, but God is love. God has sent his only son for you and me. That's the premise of our faith. That he said, I love you so much. I will give the thing that is most dear and most necessary for you. Our faith is built on love. And so now he sums up all we're supposed to do in our lives. Both tables of the Ten Commandments summed up in these words, to love our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And a second, this just like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's who we are called to be. That's the flavor of our church, should be the flavor of our church, should be the flavor of our lives, that we get that right. So this is a big book, right? <laughs> There's a lot to consider. There's a lot to read and understand. There's a lot to interpret. But let me give you the cliff notes on this. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when you find yourself outside of that, come to him again. Confess and hear from him. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. So simple, so complicated, so hard, right? But this is the way of our Lord. It is the flavor of our God. He is love. This week, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, and I've got to be doing this all week. Thank you very much, because I get to preach the sermon. But I'll be with you in this as we consider our actions and our ways, and our sentiments toward those around us, and to our God. Is this motivated by a love for Him? As I think about my plans, I make my plans, am I doing it with God in mind, a love for Him? What does He want? As I walk through the day and I interact with people, am I looking to love them? Or am I serving them because I'm a compulsive server, <laughs> right? Or, 
Or am I giving just because I, I feel good when I give? Or is it because I'm doing this because I love you, God, and because I love God's people? You'll find this is a much more fulfilling way because it is both pleasing to your soul, but it's more than that. It's pleasing to your God. And the people around you will like you a lot better too. <laughs> My prayer for our church as we go through this study is we learn to love better and that we grow in that faith. Church, pursue love. Pursue love.